Welcome to the Mass Fans for Life podcast. I am your host, Landon Thomas. I am joined by Ian Kayanja and Sean Vazmakani. We have an all-star game episode. We're going to recap the all-star game, how the Mavs players. Sorry, I was falling asleep during the all-star game. <laughs> I thought you were about to fall asleep on me, man. I was like, we just got started. What the hell? <laughs> Like, damn! You gonna fall asleep on me? Like, damn! I can't even say my topics! I can't even say my topics! Anyways, now that Ian is um, woken up, his we're gonna be talking about the All-Star Game, the competition in the All-Star Game. As noted, it, it, was, it was very tiring. And um, the outlook on the Mavs' remaining schedule, just where they are at in the West and what needs to happen? What needs to happen for this team to make a good push for the playoffs? So let's talk about the All-Star game. Man, the final score was 184 to 175. I mean, like, looking down five years from now, are we going to get, like, 300-point games in the All-Star game? I mean, it, it's getting ridiculous. Ian, first of all, before we even get to how the Mavericks – played with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. What do you think about just overall the game, how it is now compared to how it was a couple of years ago that everyone always talks about, or even 10 years ago, what's going on with this all-star game? As SGA said, money talks, man. (laughs) I, (laughs) It's that simple. Like, I don't understand the, like, hey, all power to you. Like, if it's in your city and you want to go, go. But I never understand the idea of paying thousands of dollars for all-star game tickets when you could see a more competitive L.A. fitness pickup game. And that's what the all-star game has become. It's just like a glorified scrimmage with some funny, cool-looking jerseys sometimes. And I'm, I think it's an event that's a bit antiquated and overstayed its welcome. Um, because think about it. What it used to be in the 20th century was all the stars in one place. And that was when you, you couldn't watch Clyde Drexler if you didn't live in Portland. You know, you couldn't see Michael Jordan if you didn't live in Chicago. Um, and so the All-Star Game was that one moment where maybe you haven't seen Charles Barkley play. And you're seeing him then and there. But now with League Pass, you can see all the stars every night um, that they're playing. And and so it's kind of lost a bit of its mystique of, is Dr. J really that good? And the only time you really get to see him is when he's playing the team in your town or the All-Star game. Uh, And now it's like everybody kind of knows and kind of watches all the stars. So it's lost a bit of its luster. And as a result, I mean... This past one was really bad. My my bar is low, though. Be better than the Pro Bowl. And I found the Pro Bowl more entertaining than the All-Star game. Oh, dang. Sean of Oz, what's your take on it? Did you even watch it all the way through? I watched uh, the first half of the game. And then I, you know, style was like, I just got bored at that point. Um, I, I, I think Ian mm. makes a good point. You know, obviously with, with the advancement in social media and now you know everything's on tiktok and instagram and league pass it's very easy to to see people um you know see highlights of of different players even the nba app i think now you open it up and it's like 
it's just five second highlights of every single game. You don't, you don't have to watch every, you, you know, it used to be, you'd watch sports center. You'd be like, man, I can't wait to, you know, see the highlights from the game. And now it's right at the touch of your fingertips. But I think another, another thing that has happened over the last 10 years is we've seen the shift in the NBA as well, where, you know, all these, these, players are starting to play together, right? And this whole shift of, Hey, I'm going to go play with my friends and I'm going to go, you know, I want to play with this guy and, you know, the whole LeBron movement and getting the big three together before when you had, you know, Iverson and Kobe and Jordan, it was an actual competition of, I'm going to prove to you that I'm better than you on the biggest stage of the NBA outside of the championship. Like the all-star game was where all the best players in the league, like Ian said, got together. It's, it was the one chance for them all to go head to head. Cause not every team obviously plays in the finals, and for them to really showcase, like, hey, I'm better than you, and I'm going to stick it to you, and I'm going to play as the best defense I can against you. And now yeah. it's like players are afraid of getting hurt. They're, you know, ah, oh, well, I'm playing with my buddy, or like, I just want to go for alley oops. I'm going to show off. You know, it's it's lost a lot of its it's you know it's lost a lot of its allure. And now it's just a glorified scoring contest, and you know, it's a it's a show off contest, and it's just not fun anymore. Yeah, they, it's getting. It's getting ridiculous, to be honest. It's, it was so bad. It was so bad. And when you look at previous All Star games and how they played and the pride that they took in the game, and it's just a different era. Like we have people, we have players resting games. We have players not even playing defense or don't even really care about the All Star game. And y- y'all brought it up. I mean, there has to be some sort of drive in this game and there has to be some sort of incentive. I don't know if it's money or I mean, it's already money. It is for charity, but I mean, there has to be some sort of money in the players pockets. Like whoever, you know, whatever team wins, I don't know, gets, you know, 250,000 or something. There has to be something where the players have pride to win the game. Cause I don't know what it was, but two years ago, that game was pretty good. Even though the game was like in the 160s, I mean, they still fought hard in the fourth quarter. That's There has to be a compromise. Like you said, the fourth yeah. quarter was competitive. So there has to be a compromise. Like, okay, the first three quarters, we're going to make sure we're all healthy, give the fans some dunks and threes. But in the fourth quarter, let's get it on. Let's, let's see what happens. It just gives Y'all- the fans a show. Y'all old heads, so you probably remember um, that Kobe Stefan Marbury All Star Game duel. Yeah, the back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like w- the most we got of that was like what Jalen Brown and and Jason Tatum, but like even that wasn't even special because it wasn't down the stretch in you know clutch buckets. It was like all oh, my buddies scored. Let me try to one up him, and like I, I I don't I don't I don't like basketball when there's absolutely no effort being made i really don't because i think it becomes quite an insufferable sport um and i i that's why i'm like you should ditch all-star weekend and give us what we want which is a one-on-one all-stars tournament that's all i want that's all it's i want it's not gonna happen yeah it never happened that's no. yeah. it'd, be, it'd be awesome but it would yeah. never happen It'll imagine this imagine the pride this. is too high like they're not gonna you have you have your 24 all-stars right in a one-on-one tournament and winner gets like a 10 million dollar was a squid game i mean <laughs> <laughs> the survival no, of the fittest i mean he's gonna put the bill for the first five million on that shoot they got landon 
Oh, no. I'm saying one-on-one, that's not going to happen. First of all, the posts are not even going to – they can't beat the guards um, just playing one-on-one like that. And then You could do like – could you do like horse or like knockout? Like make it like something. But who's like, gonna you know, watch I'd that? Just, I'd rather watch it than what we saw on Sunday. You want to watch horse? That, remember I, that I, little uh, Toys R Us prize that we saw? <laughs> the All Star game. I, I see some something other than the All because it's 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 literally what it is, right? It's you you go to your thing on one end of the court, then I'm gonna you know the next guy's gonna come up and dunk the ball. The next guy's gonna take a half court three. You know, well then I'll take a you know, a, a three from, you know, three quarter court. I mean, that's all it is, right? It's basically a horse tournament with, you know, with what, you know, 20, 20 participants kind of going at it all at yeah. once. I mean, well, I propose this. Okay. Well, that's your perfect answer. Let me give my perfect answer. And then we'll go Sean Devos how to fix this because I propose we go back to the West first East. When they changed that, it was pretty bad. The, the, the conferences were like one, one-sided remember where they were like wondering who's going to be the center for one of the conferences because it was so bad at one point but now that the both sides are pretty even um i think they should go back to east and west and just be like baseball whoever wins the all-star game gets the home court advantage in the nba finals now you're talking like most of these players are on contenders or in the top six seven um, teams in the playoffs. So they're going to want home court advantage if they get to the finals. I think that would make it more competitive. What's y'all's thoughts on that? That's, I mean, that's what I was thinking, you know, that kind of, you know, when you brought the, when you pose the question of what's the one way you could do it, the first thing that comes to mind is incentive, right? So you kind of think of how are you going to incentivize the players to really take it seriously and play it, you know, play it at, you know, the way they play a regular game. Right. I mean, yeah, you're not, it's not going to be as physical, right, because nobody wants to get hurt, you know, when in the middle of the season. But, you know, you put an incentive like that where, OK, yeah, hey, winner gets home court that, you know, especially like you said, Landon, a lot of these a lot of these players are, are you know, at the top of the, you know, their teams are at the top of the standings. And especially a year like this where an entire conference like the Western Conference is within three games of each other for, you know, fighting from third to twelfth. It's it's kind of really really pivotal that you win that game, right? That so you do what you can to help to help your conference win that game, so you've secured home court. Because we know home court in the NBA, you know, is much different than than home field advantage in baseball or home field advantage in football. Home court in the NBA is 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 you know very very different, especially because you know the fact that it's a confined space. You've got a lot. It's a loud arena. Um, it makes a difference. So that that's one way you could look at it. I don't know how much money would incentivize these guys. Cause they make millions of dollars anyway. Like what is another like 5 million in their pockets going to do? You know, that why, what is, what does that matter to them? So how do you, how would you fix it? Hey, you took my answer. So I don't, now I got to think about it, but you know, I, cause I, you know, I think about you, Ian brought up the pro bowl, right? The pro bowl used to be fun, right? When it was AFC, NFC, we used to see, it was a lot of fun. And obviously the NFL stopped it because of injuries. And it was always after the super bowl or in between super bowl and, um, and the playoffs. So, you know, a lot of the key players would sit out. Baseball has always done it right, where it's been, all right, winner gets home field, right? Ever since they changed that rule, the all-star game has started to mean something in baseball, where now both teams play hard, or, you know, both squads, because you're you're vying for that home field advantage, because if you get to a game seven, it makes a difference. So the NBA has got to adopt something along those lines where a team or a conference is going to benefit from winning so that it puts... It, it puts some sort of meaning back into the game. Right now, it's just a meaningless showcase 
uh, for viewers, right? That's really all it is. Um, you know, and you've, you've got guys like Mike Malone who's coming out as a coach saying, this is dumb. Like, the, this is the worst basketball game I've ever, I've ever been a part of. You know, and it's, uh, you know, other players think it's a glorified layup line. Like, you don't want that. Like, that's just a, it's a bad messaging for the NBA. He did say, uh, he did give a shout out to Joel Embiid and mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving. And, yeah, because they played hard. They played hard. And Kyrie said it in his comments. He wished the guys would play hard. I mean, he gets everybody wants to be healthy, but, you know, he he wants to come out and compete. And he, he did. Like, he scored 32 points. And he put on a clinic with his passing. Like, it's in a Mavericks uniform, Nets uniform, all-star uniform. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm very surprised how he just takes over. But when you watch him, he's always passing. Like, he doesn't just take over by scoring, but, like, he makes sure people get involved before he goes on a clinic. And just – oh, I also want to point out Luca's um, stats as well. Obviously – he he really doesn't um go hard in these events. They're they're exhibitions to him, but uh he had four points, five assists, and two rebounds. But Ian, just getting back to uh Kyrie Irving um and how he he's he's so competitive, but in a um I guess passive way. He's so dominant in a passive way. What's your thoughts on um Kyrie's play in the all star game and just overall um in the Mavericks uniform so far? Isn't he like averaging the most points per all-star game out of like i think it's Giannis. and wasn't he mvp but he's close wasn't he mvp uh way back i think 2014 14 or 16 right something like that yeah but to me i like it like i'm just i i like good basketball and i can't imagine again it goes back to kind of the participation aau culture that um basketball has been infected with uh if you think about it like the the aau and and all of these like travel team circuits they don't necessarily Mm -hmm. care about winning they just care about making sure these kids put up their numbers so that they can get offers to go play somewhere yeah um and i think that's kind of infected a lot of basketball like a lot of these guys they're it's like this happy to be their culture versus when you think about you know, when I was growing up in the early 2000s and probably for you guys in the late 90s, there was this idea of like, during the season, like, yeah, we may golf, but during the season, I want to beat you. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be the case at all anymore. And so I think the it's overarching that that's why people don't play hard. But it's also interesting that that's why Kyrie plays hard. It's it's because he approaches like he's he's an eccentric guy like. He approaches the game almost like a, 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 a art, like a someone that draws or paints. Where yeah. Each opportunity to play is like him showcasing a different element or a different style, and that's what I do appreciate about him. It's his different approach to basketball. His choosing to view it as more of an artistic expression versus just a showcase of his athletic ability leads mm. him to always playing hard when he's available. And that's something that I really, really respect. Is it, yeah, with Kyrie, the availability aspect, you're not really sure of. But the games that he does play, he's a literal virtuoso, even if it's an all-star game. And I will always respect that. Sean Avaz, what's your thoughts on um, Kyrie's competitiveness? 
Yeah, I, I think we've seen it throughout his career, right? Like Ian said, regardless of his off the court antics, I mean, the guy's always been a competitor. Um, we yeah. forget that that he was one of, if not the closest player in the NBA to Kobe, right? And Kobe was arguably one of the best competitors, if not the greatest competitor in, in the NBA. Um, and so this is a guy that learned directly from him, was was extremely close to him. And so, you know, the All-Star game speaks volumes to him because Kobe never, you know, Kobe never backed down in All-Star games either, right? So um, I, I think we've seen that from Kyrie um, time and time again, whether it was in Cleveland and Boston, Brooklyn, or even now in Dallas. He's always going to give 110% on the floor. And that's what you want from a player like that. Um, you know, the last thing you want is, is you know, a player who's got the off the, you know, off the court antics, but then also, you know, on the court is, is kind of, um, you know, lackadaisical or, or really not putting in the effort. And, and Kyrie's always shown that when it comes to basketball itself, he's a savant and he's, he's a, a genius, you know, on the, on the floor. And he, he shows it time and time again. Okay. So I'll go on the flip side. What's y'all's thoughts on Luca's take to the all-star game? Sean Navaz, I'll start with you this time on just how he approaches the game. Because, you know, we saw him just saying, uh, hey, I'm just getting cardio out here, and he's just having fun. And I think that's the new age of the NBA. You forget Luca's 23 years old. He's still a kid, right? I mean, he's younger than most of the guys who are in the All-Star game anyway. Um, yeah. You know, and in Europe, they don't they don't have this stuff. He knows it's not a real competition. Like, Luca's not going to give 110% if he knows there's nothing to play for. Like, this is a guy that has played at the highest level since he was 13 years old. He's not going to come in and, and try to give it his all just for a, a meaningless scrimmage, you know, and it doesn't mean anything to him. For him, it's a it's a chance to have fun and, um, you know, enjoy the weekend. And, and like he said, go to Mexico and go on vacation and get a chance to goof around with, you know, with his peers in the NBA. And, and frankly, that's what this game is. And that's what, you know, it's kind of shifted to. So I don't blame him at all for that. Ian, what's your thoughts on just – his approach to the, the all-star game and kind of kind of similar to Jokic, it, you know, this game is not really tailored towards them. So they just go out there and, and get cardio and just have fun. I don't, I don't understand why, like if you think of Luca's game, he makes so many wild shots. Like you'd think the all-star game would be where he wants to showcase all of that. Like Ooh. the amount of like, crazy step backs like crazy logo threes and we talk about it where it's like the easy shots he misses like the catch and shoot ones but it'll be these tough shots that he makes so it it's confusing i'm like why not showcase like all of that craziness that you can do and i honestly find it somewhat disappointing just because i'm a i'm a very much a seize the day type of person that this could be the last basketball game you play. Like life isn't promised. Mm. And there's a certain level of like assurance, I think, that athletes have that they can just keep, you know, they'll keep doing this, keep racking in the checks. But one day you have to define yourself after the game because you won't have the game anymore. Or you're you know, like your life could be over tomorrow. And so I always find it disappointing when you see athletes mail it in because tomorrow's not promised all you have is today and can you be proud of like that's what you went out and did that's kind of the way that I look at it and I know that's more of an existential perspective but it's why it's why I have so much respect for Anthony Edwards when he was like guys are sitting out and you know for me I'm gonna play if I can play 
And, and you know, you, it's interesting because the Players Association, like, points the fingers at the team trainers. And it's clear there's certain guys in the league that don't miss games. So it's clearly not only the trainers. It's also the players being like, yeah, I'm going to sit. Um, and, and so it's like, it's, again, that culture in the NBA of, and, and Luca embodies that generation of that culture that I can just take tonight off. Um, and I don't know. I, it's, it's disheartening because you never know if maybe that's one of the few times someone will get to watch you play. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is, you know, tough because I see both sides. Like, I see Kyrie's side and say, hey, we're, this is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. I want to show you that I'm the best player in the league. Like, and then I also see Lucas side, like, Hey, this is, this game doesn't count. This is just a exhibition game. I played 19 minutes. I didn't just play one minute. I got out there and got some cardio, got a few shots up and it's just an all-star game. It's nothing serious that will impact me from making the playoffs or push me from making you know, a serious run towards the ultimate goal. So why risk my body and my competitiveness for something that's an exhibition, like a preseason game? So I, I see both sides of it. It's it's really like like um, Sean Navas says, kind of like old school versus new school mentality. You know, and that's that's clearly what you see between Kyrie, who's what thirty? I mean, and Luca, who's twenty three? I mean. Kyrie's coming from the older guys um, in this all-star game saying, hey, I just want to I just want to beat you. I don't care if this is an exhibition or this is checkers. You know, this is um, playing rocks. I'm going to beat you. And that's. I respect that, too. So I guess to each his own. Um, I do feel sorry for the De- Aaron Fox. Like he's the only he's the only dude. He's the only brother that didn't score in this game. And he only shot one time. Like, at least Luka shot five times. At least Jokic shot four times. Like, like Ian said, this might be your last game, but this might be your last all-star game. Like, your injury replacement. Like, I want to see you like Anthony Edwards. Like, go hoop. You know, go get some shots up. I feel bad because he was the only all-star that did not get even Giannis, he played what six seconds and he got he he scored. So that was that was that was tough to see, especially the year he's had. But okay. So that was the all-star game. And now with the outlook on the rest of this season. I said I posted a tweet about it. The Mavericks are six right now, but they're two and a half games behind third seed, the Sacramento Kings, who we just talked about. But they're only they're only two games above twelfth seed, the Portland Trailblazers, and it's getting really interesting because we're we're getting to a point where. Jason Kidd said it. He said he he's he said it a few times this season. 
wait till after all-star break or after all-star break we'll do this or it's still early you know once you get into after all-star break that's when you know he said it a few times so now that we're after all-star break ian i'll start with you what do you think about this this cluster in the west i mean it's it's getting crazy in every single game it matters Typically, the the weird month after All-Star break is like the NBA desert. And now we're in this (laughs) space where it's actually going to be interesting. And and that's what that's why I love the play in tournament, because it keeps teams like, you know, teams that are nine and ten engaged because it used to be. All right. We're the ninth or tenth seed um, after the All-Star break. We're about, you know, four games back from seven. Hey, we're gonna try for the next two weeks. If that doesn't go well, we're we're done. We're shutting yeah. everybody down. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you got teams that are like, heck, even the what twelve seeded Lakers still have a, a shot to finish. Thirteen within... seed. Don't try to push them up the standings. <laughs> Don't try to do that. Even the thirteen seed Lakers have a shot to finish outside of the play in, which is like wild to me. So, like that, like that's the nature of of having the play in tournament because imagine if they didn't the 13 seed lakers would not be trying anymore lebron would not be playing the rest of the year yeah you're right <laughs> you you are right um sean Avaz, what's your thoughts on this on western conference how it is right now it's crazy i i don't i can't remember a time recently where we've seen something as as jumbled as you know as a season like this where you know you've got so many teams separated by just a few games. I mean, you've got the clear kind of cream of the crop in the conference in Denver, but outside of Denver, I mean, there's not really a team that that's kind of, you know, that really puts a fear into you. We haven't seen, you know, Kevin Durant play yet with Phoenix. We don't know how well that's going to mesh, you know, and they, you know, they did lose two of, you know, arguably their best defenders as well. Um, You know, the Lakers made moves, uh, you know, um, we saw, you know, we saw the Clippers even make moves, a lot of moves at the deadline to kind of improve their team. So a lot of teams in the West really, you know, kind of are, are taking advantage of, of where the conference is right now. And it's going to be interesting to see as we get into, you know, the later parts of February into March and into kind of the playoff push, how this is all going to pan out. But it's definitely going to be exciting. I mean, it's, you know, every game is going to mean something. Every game is going to matter for for almost all these teams in the conference, even Denver. Right, because Denver doesn't want to start slipping up and and you know start losing their ground, you know the ground that they've gained in, at the top of the conference. So, you know, this is even an important stretch for them coming out of the All Star break, and you know they want to be able to solidify that. And Denver's a hard place to play, so if if you know if their their goal is going to be a lock up home court advantage throughout the throughout the postseason. Yeah, and it se- it seems like every single team from four to what nine uh, i mean obviously a lot of the teams are going to push as high as they can go but fourth seed clippers fifth seed suns six mavs seventh the pelicans who's been injured they could be healthy um eight seed timberwolves anthony edwards and and um, carl anthony towns coming back and then the the warriors who knows what the warriors they, they could be the they could be the you know the team that upsets people in the playoffs or they could fall out of the playoffs and um those those are the teams that i really think it's gonna get interesting i mean the thunder the jazz the trailblazers they do have a shot uh but i don't know what to think because 
the Mavericks, they definitely need to win some games. I mean, let's not forget they're on a three-game losing streak. And now that they're getting healthy um, and you have the dynamic duo of Doncic and Irving, they still got questions. What is – and I can't wait to ask these questions. Like, what is the role for Maxi Kleber when he comes back? What is the role for Christian Wood for the rest of the season? Where does Josh Green go? Does he take that next step like we saw in the first handful of games, or does he come back to earth like we saw in the last few games? You know, it's going to be interesting. Does Holiday play any minutes, or does he take a lot of minutes? There's a lot of questions to be asked about this team, and they have – three games coming out of all-star break that they have to take care of business. The first game, they play the Spurs. Second game, they play the Lakers. In third game, they play the Pacers. And they're on a six-game home stand. They'll be home for pretty much two weeks. Because um, after that, you have the 76ers, the Suns, and Jazz. Those are going to be tough games. So when I ask y'all... Um, Sean Navaz, I'll start with you. So out of the Spurs, Lakers, Pacers, 76ers, Suns, and Jazz, how many games do you think they have to win out of those six games? Because this seems like the biggest stretch of the season. I think they have to at least go four and two. I think, you know, there's a reasonable chance that, that they're going to drop potentially the Philly game. I don't think Dallas has the size to to cover Joel Embiid. Um, you know, that that's always posed to kind of a difficult matchup. Um, and, and I just I feel like whether it's the Phoenix game, you know, or or even the Lakers game, to be honest, um, I, I feel like the Mavericks are going to drop one of the Western Conference games. It seems like they, you know, they're all they're going to be close games. I don't think any of these going to be blowouts. But that Phoenix game, you know, we don't know if Kevin Durant's going to be back. Um, you know, what's the status with Devin Booker? Um you know, it's going to really depend on health. And the Lakers are, you know, as much as, you know, it, it, I'm not happy to say it, but they've, you know, the, the, made, the moves that they made at the deadline, you, you kind of saw some glimpses of what, what that team potentially could be. And they're in a stretch where they've really got to play their best basketball as well to get out of that 12th seat. So for Dallas, when you're, 13th you know, seed. Well, yeah, there was a 12th seed, seed man. Sorry. Ian keeps saying 12th seed because throwing, putting stuff in my head. Uh-uh, don't do me. <laughs> I caught a stray for no reason. <laughs> y'all, um, y'all like ESPN the past two weeks, man. Y'all getting that check. Hey, let me tell you why Kyrie Irving is going to LA. <laughs> yeah. It's uh I mean it's 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 unreasonable to think the Mavs, you know, are gonna go undefeated. I would love for them too. But I think going four and two, if you have a winning record coming out of that six game stretch out of the all-star break, um, I think you're you're in a pretty good position um as you kind of go into, you know, you get into March. Yeah, in March they play the Grizzlies three times, so that's mm-hmm. that's going to be important as well. And and last year, you know, you, Landon, you brought up Jason Kidd saying All Star break, All Star break. I mean, last year the Mavericks went what I think it was seventeen and six after the All Star break last year in the last twenty three games of the year. So this was the team yeah. that really hit their stride at the end of the year last year again after making a big you know move at you know at the trade deadline. So. That's a good you point. Know, it's yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if if Kid can kind of recapture some of that magic as 
you know, as we get into the stretch. And the Mavs also have the easiest schedule in the NBA based, uh, based on Tankathon's, uh, uh, their analytics tool. So they're in a really, really good position here where they can really make up some ground against teams like Phoenix, like the Clippers, who, who you know, and Sacramento, who are top six in, in toughest schedules remaining. Yeah, and let's be honest. We all know that doesn't mean anything because the the Mavs could beat the best team in the NBA then lose to the worst team um, from what we've seen this season. But Kyrie is here, so that does change things. Ian, what, what's your thoughts on uh, the six-game homestand, two weeks that the Mavericks are at home? How many games do they have to win out of that um, since the, the West is so tight right now? You got to go four and two. Simple, simple. So same as Sean Avazio. Equation. Yeah. Whoa. Four and two. Did Ian just agree with me? This is a new day. I love it. I, w- I was going to say five and one, but. Oh. Yeah. Just well, to be contrary. They do play three West. Oh, uh, well. Sorry, San Antonio. <laughs> four. But three. Um, the Lakers, Suns, and Jazz. Those. Because if you lose one of those games. You fall down half a game, and they go up half a game. So that's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's and let's be not forget, too. Mavs almost lost to San Antonio, right? It took you took what 51, 53 from Luca just for them to beat the Spurs at the end of the year. So San Antonio is not, you know, it, for whatever reason, the Mavericks play down to their competition. So it's not like it's a walk in the park. All right, so I'm going to change mine to five and one. Oh, okay. Yeah, and. The reasoning for that is just what you stated, and that it's not just you're playing, you know, anybody, but you're playing the teams that are directly vying for where you're at. Um, and I think that you need you need these wins more so than than anything else. Sean Navas talked about the Mavs playing down to the level of their competition. And, I mean, I can see it now. It'll be late March, and the Mavs need a win. And they're, you know, they then they want to play like they're the Washington Generals versus the Harlem Globetrotters. And, and so spare yourself that by coming out of the All-Star break, beating the teams that you need to beat. Yeah, you said it well. Um, I'll end it. I'll end the pod with this question. I'll start with you, Ian. When you look at the roster being healthy or close to being healthy, um, we'll see what what happens with Maxi in the next day or two. But with the game tomorrow against the Spurs, what would you like to see from Jason Kidd and his rotations? I I think Jason Kidd needs to be better in end-of-game situations. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I can vividly recall three, four losses, and think about that, three or four losses that, to me, directly fall on, you know, Kidd either being unwilling to put in a certain guy or being unwilling to call a timeout in a scramble play um, or coming out of timeout with one of the worst plays ever where you're wondering who's inbounding, why they're inbounding yeah. um, and why the play is just get, try to pass Luca the ball when everyone knows the ball is going there. And so 
to me, like what what I need to see is better end of game management from Jason Kidd to from who he decides to play and when. Like, how many times have we been on a text thread where Christian Wood went on a tear in the third quarter and we just don't see him to close the game? And and it's like inexplicable because it's not exactly like the people Kidd is playing are playing are defensive stoppers either. And so to me, that's the biggest thing. I, I need him to start making sense of who he's going to close the game out with because that's what you need in the playoffs. You need to know who your best five is and then who are the other two guys that are going to complement. That's a good point. Very good point. Sean Navaz, what's your thoughts on coming out of all-star break for Jason Kidd with his rotations? I want to see how we can find – well, first off, I want to say I, Ian brings up an excellent point. Um, you know, as you get into the playoffs, you're, you're really going with a 7-8 man rotation at that point. So I think it's key to it, – it's going to be really crucial to figure out, you know, is that Maxi and Wood and somebody else or is it going to – you know, it, what is it going to be kind of kind of down the stretch? And, and it's going to be really dependent on the health of Maxi. But I, I want to see Kid kind of – play around with the fact that Luca doesn't have to be on the court for 42 minutes a game. You know, now that you've got Kyrie Irving, you need to see what, you know, what Kyrie can do with other, you know, with the other players on the Mavericks and give Luca the rest that he needs. Cause he's logged a lot of minutes in this first half and you're going to need him come playoff time. Uh, when you've got a guy like Luca and Kyrie both on the floor. But didn't um, you, you see know, that with the, uh, in the Kings game? You did, yeah, but I want to see. I want to see more. Oh, I want to see yeah, more. Yeah. I want to, you know, that's we, we've seen a couple instances, and and that's gonna, you know, obviously that's gonna come with time. As as now we get into kind of you know the fact that now Luke and Kyrie are finally gonna play an extended period of time together, as opposed to just two three games that we saw at the end of the end of the first half of the season. Okay. I want to see Kid do a better job now, especially with Maxi coming back, really managing the minutes of, and, and kind of figuring out, like Ian said, um, you know, who fits better with who so when you know that you've got Kyrie in the game and Lucas out who fits better with with Kyrie on the floor right guys who can push the ball up like a Jaden Hardy like a Josh Green or when you've got Luca on the floor just you know by himself and Kyrie's getting some rest you need you know slower paced guys who can you know really set the offense a little bit better and then when they're both on the floor how do you mix and match that and I think that's going to be critical for this team as they as they get into the postseason run well Sean Navaz, you did bring up a great point because that is going to be interesting how Jason Kidd does play in those um, non-Luka minutes because uh, we did see that in the Clippers and Kings game, but just a game with Luka and mm-hmm. how he finds the minutes for both of them together and when one of them is in the game, who's the other four players. And I'll lead the pod with the final words. We always do final words. And um, Ian, you brought up a great point on uh, the the rotation. The rotation is a solid talking point because it does go down before the playoffs, so it can give the coaches staff, um, you know, a, a, a preview of how the minutes are going to be and who's going to be in those minutes. So I will ask you because I can't forget T- um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is coming back as well. He missed a couple games, um, so. Who is in your eight-man rotation, and who is in that starting lineup? That's how we're going to end this pod. Ian, you go first. Man, you're really putting my feet to the fire. (laughs) 
Uh, I think one and two is pretty self-explanatory. Luca sure. yeah. and Kyrie. Okay. Um. Then I gotta go with with Josh Green. Okay. So that's three. Um. Then I go Maxi. Mm-hmm. And Wood. Okay. That's my five. Off the bench, I'm bringing. Hardaway. Yeah. It's getting interesting now. Get that playoff rotation. Dang. Making me make some tough decisions, dude. Yeah. So Hardaway's gonna be my sixth. Powell. I guess you gotta go Powell. Mm Mm-hmm. My seven. Um, and my eighth guy. My eighth guy. Whoo. Only one Ray left. Twister. Only one left. I guess Reggie. I guess it has to be Reggie. Yeah, but I I just yeah it has to be Reggie. But then I also like the upside of like can't you see Hardy in like a game three having like a crazy offensive explosion? He's not a, he's not afraid. The, the consistent the consistent bet of a Reggie Bullock hitting one or two three or maybe even more threes a game. So that's what I was really struggling with. It's like, do you take the upside of a Hardy and him being the wild card, or do you take Reggie? You set in Sean Navaz up, so you already made your choice. You already made your eight-man rotation. So, right. Sean Navaz, what is your eight-man rotation for the remaining season and playoffs? And what's your it's- starting lineup? It's it's hard. I, it, I'm as Ian's talking. I'm kind of going through each. I think I think Kyrie, Luca, Luca, Kyrie. However, you know, position whatever at guard. I think that's a lock for me. Yeah. Um, I think Christian Wood at center is a lock for me. The thing that I keep having trouble with. Here we go. Is the Mavericks lack that kind of. Uh, that true like explosive athlete off the bench, right? Somebody who can come in and, and we, we, you know, we, we've talked about the potential of Jaden Hardy, right? A lot. Mm-hmm. But when you come into playoff time, I don't think Jason Kidd's going to get to a point in playoff time where he's going to give Hardy big minutes in a spot. It may be if there's a blowout or, you know, and he, he'll put up 20, you know, 15, 20 points, whatever. It's, it'll be great. But I don't think he's going to get big minutes in the clutch in playoff time. The Mavericks need somebody off the bench to be able to come in and provide that. And we know the struggles Tim Hardaway Jr. has had coming off the bench as opposed to when he starts. So for that reason, this is assuming all injuries are, all players are healthy. I would start Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, at small forward, and then I would start Maxi at power forward as well. Ooh. And I would bring I would bring Green... Bullock and Powell off the bench. I think that would be my rotation. And, and 
Look, Josh Green deserves a starting spot on this team without question for what he's done, um, especially in the absence of Tim Hardaway Jr. We've seen how hard he plays. He's, he's gotten better shooting to three. He, he attacks the, the basket relentlessly. He's great defensively, but we've also seen him, much like Luca, when Luca started playing a lot of minutes, kind of the, the tail end of his first year, We've seen Josh Green have some off nights where he's kind of, you know, he's not used to playing this many minutes, right? He's not used to, uh, he's not used to consistently playing this level of defense. So you don't want him to wear out either as you get into the playoffs and you're potentially having him guard a guy like Kevin Durant, having him guard a guy like Kawhi Leonard. You know, you'd rather have your two best players on the court to start the game and Luka and Kyrie and a guy who, is unfortunately probably your best catch and shoot option in Tim Hardaway Jr. and and try to at this point run up the score or or take a lead and then bring in a guy like Josh Green when it's needed and have him play lockdown defense. Mm. I like both of those. Um so here's mine. And it's pretty simple. Play your best players. It's that, it's that simple. It's, uh, from what I've seen with Jason Kidd, he makes things so complicated. He has us guessing. He has us always asking questions like, what is going on with the lineup? Like, what is going on with the rotation? Is this player going to play? Why is this player not playing? And just play your best players. It's that simple. I want to see Kyrie and Luca. And I want to see Josh Green. I want to see Christian Wood. And I want to see Maxi Kleber. It's that simple. And I want to see Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, and Dwight Powell. Those are the eight best players on the team. You Hardy, number nine. I mean, that's emergency. Um, but those are the best players on the team. So play them and play them a lot of minutes. And... When we get to playoffs, I mean, let's be honest. Luca and Kyrie are going to probably play 42 minutes a game. So, uh, But I think you can have Josh Green and Christian Wood be the first subs out. So then when Kyrie or Luca get subbed out, probably Kyrie because Luca plays the whole first quarter, um, you can have uh, – Christian Wood and Josh Green play some minutes where when Kyrie's on the on the bench, um, and you know Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock come in and Dwight Powell those type of players, and I, I just want to see some consistency. I don't want to see Pinson. Um, if you're trying to make a push to the top of the West, and he's I give him props. The, the dude's been balling, but this, this, they're trying to make a push in the West. He should not be playing. Um, and, and you brought Holiday in. I mean, do you Holiday. see Holiday getting minutes? I mean, he, he's been on a over, championship over team. I mean, I don't think they go to the eight man rotation until like you know, like probably eight games left or mm-hmm. five games left to prepare. I think they'll still do like 10, 11 players and then slowly decrease it down. But Holiday should be playing over Pinson, and that's just facts. I mean, from his pedigree, I mean, he's he is a champion, and he has been playing big minutes on teams. Um, obviously, this season, um, the rookie got got the call over him for the backup wing, 
um, AJ Griffin, but he he needs to play over Pinson. I mean, let's be honest, Pinson. Before la- the last two weeks, he was the him and McGee were the only ones not playing, and I think Holloway deserves those minutes. I just want to see what he does. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see, I mean, like you said, he should definitely play more minutes than Theo Pinson, and he's got a championship pedigree. I mean, I think, you know, he was and on Frank. the Warriors team. And Fra- oh, yeah, Every, everybody Frank, should play more than Frank. Frank and Pinson, I don't, I don't think they should play for the rest of the season. I mean, Every, unless, unless there's injuries or a blowout, either way, meaningful yeah, minutes is what I'm saying. Right, 100% agree. I, I, I'd be interested to see what Holiday can bring. Um you know, I feel like kid's going to give him a chance just because he's he's got, you know, he's played with, you know, championship squads before. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of it's 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 up in the air at this point. I, I don't I, it's it's going to be one of those things where are you really going to try to work him into your rotation with this little time left and, and kind of kind of feel it out? Or is it is it just kind of insurance in case, you know, the, the Hardaway injury or the the Mac, you know, the Kleber injury, if they are a little bit long lasting, you need to kind of feel some depth, right? Like that's kind of that's a good point because I I forgot Markeith Morris is he going to yeah. play? Jason Kidd said he was, and then Bertans he was in the rotation before he got hurt. Um, whenever he comes back, um, is he going to get spot minutes or? I mean, Ian, what's your yeah. thoughts on Markeith and and should he get minutes? I mean, personally, I think he should get minutes. I don't think Kid plays him. Uh, I mean, Kid said that he'd have to find him some. I don't know where Kid says why he says find minutes, bro. Like the minutes aren't hiding. This ain't hide and seek. You can literally look at your rotations and and fix that. But that's neither here nor there. You're not finding minutes, bro. They're they're right in front of you. Um, <laughs> I think what. Morris brings is this culture of like toughness and bring your your lunch pail and go to work and as we always talk about the Mavs sort of lack that with with Luca they're a finesse team man and they need somebody that's willing to punch some dudes in the mouth and and so that's why I think he should get minutes and I could see him in the right matchup in the postseason, actually playing like maybe 18 minutes a game in a series. Ooh. If it were like a matchup based thing, like say um, a team forces Dallas to go super small, a guy like Morris is a flexible forward who can give you the luxury of being able to have some presence without him being necessarily a lumbering big. Um, and so I, I could see that, like in in the right matchup, he could play a, a healthy amount of minutes, um, but I don't think he'll get that many after the all heading into the games directly after the All Star break, uh, because you know Kid will need his glasses to find some more minutes. Sean Navaz, final words. Oh, what you you think, um, Markeith? What's the vision for him if you were a kid? I mean, do you see him getting some minutes or I mean, yeah, we said playoff eight man rotation, but let's just let's just talk about the the first the six game homestand. Do you see him getting any minutes or do you just have him as an insurance? I would hope so. I mean, 
you know, this is a guy that provides more physicality for you down low. I mean, it's, it's something that the Mavericks sorely lack, and, and, and you've got guys like Bertans out, and, you know, the, the JaVale McGee experiment, experiment hasn't gone the way you wanted it to. I mean, why not give him a shot? Like, who knows? You're really going to play, you know, Dwight Powell that many minutes a game? Like, it's you, you, if you're going to, if he's going to be your starting center, and if Jason Kidd's going to continue to refuse to play Christian Wood at the starting center, you might as well see what you've got in Marquise Morris. I mean, you're not going to, you know, especially if Maxie's doesn't come back healthy, if if he gets injured again, or, or he's got, to, he's going to take some days off. I mean, those yeah. hamstring injuries are you, you're not, you don't want to mess around with that. You know, he's he's now your best defensive player or one of your best defensive players. So, um, you know, you don't want to mess around with that before playoff time. So, I think you definitely should give Marquise Morris some some chances, especially in the games against teams like San Antonio. You know, I think it's a it's a good run against teams that you should beat, especially now when you've got Kyrie Irving. I know we talked about, you know, the Mavericks, you know, barely beat them last time, but with with Kyrie and Luka together, they should pretty handedly beat San Antonio and teams like that. So why not in in the fourth quarter or late in the second or third, give Marquise a try. Let him play five minutes, six minutes a game. Let him get acclimated to the team and see how he does. It, it, it's not going to do anything but benefit you if he plays if he plays well. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was our podcast for today. The Mavericks do have a game tomorrow. It seems like they it's been like forever since they played, but it's going to be exciting to see how Kid plays his rotations, uh, his adjustments, players coming back, Maxi, Tim Hardaway Jr., eventually uh, Bertans as well. And just how he plays his rotations will be interesting to see. And then the late game moments, the clutch time, when you have a close game, who gets the shot? What plays does he run? Does Kyrie and Luka, their chemistry grow even more? Do they push the limit with the ceiling on this team? It's, there, we have a lot of questions, and we will see a lot of results um, in the upcoming week. So, Ian, thanks for um, joining. Sean Avaz, thanks as always. Ian, uh, what is your Twitter handle? We know you don't use it, but except to post articles. (laughs) I'm an old head, man, but it's at at I-A-N-I-A-N-K-A-Y. Make sure y'all follow him. Sean Avaz, what is your uh, Twitter handle? It's at Mr. McConney, M-R-M-A-K-H-A-N-I. Make sure you follow him as well. Goodbye, everyone.